Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. And now, here's our pastor, Cornelius Phillips, with today's message. you're standing, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to the book of Ezra. We're not shutting anything down or cutting anything off. We're going to pick right back up tonight, so you don't want to miss tonight. But I got a wood. Look at your neighbor and say, he got a wood. got a dear friend that 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 looks at me sometimes and said pastor I got a word from the lot got a word from the lot got a word got a word he's 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 got some louisiana in him amen hallelujah Ezra Ezra in your bible Ezra Chapter 3. <clears throat> Somebody said, Pastor, I've never seen it like that before. Well, you know, I was thinking about it, and I think, of course, I think crazy sometimes, and I think uh, differently. I worry about myself sometimes, but and I was thinking about the last... Uh, college football game I went to uh, there was a guy there that had a rainbow colored wig on uh, had his body painted red with a white racing stripe down the middle and I looked at that guy and I said man he's crazy but I'm crazy for Jesus you know you might I want you to know when I was out in the world I gave hell all I had I didn't hold nothing back didn't care what anybody thought about me and I made this promise to God I said if you can change my life and renew me and restore my life, I'll give you everything I've got. Amen. And I'm still trying to live up to that. Amen. Ezra chapter 3. Uh, last week we uh, came out of this same chapter, uh, but because you said so many amens, I didn't get but about halfway through my sermon. So I want to finish it today, Lord's willing. And... But the Lord kind of steered me in a, in a direction today, and I want to simply title this message The Secret Place Today, The Secret Place. And, and uh, I want to I focus <clears throat> this morning on two things, how the enemy uses secrets in our lives to control us and how God uses secrets to redeem us. 
and to restore us. So I want to just kind of focus in those areas. Uh, Ezra chapter 3 and verse 3, just one verse. And they set the altar upon his bases. For fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. And they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. Father, we thank you today for the power of your word. We adore your word. We receive it by faith this morning. We believe that it's life-giving in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And everybody said, finally, we can sit down. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> Listen, they built the altar <clears throat> because fear was upon them because of the people that they were around. In other words, they were facing situations and circumstances, as Holy Spirit spoke to us earlier. They were facing situations and circumstances that could only be fixed by God. Man couldn't do them any good. Man couldn't fix it. Man couldn't make it any better. They were facing things that could only be fixed by God through prayer. Thus, the reason that they rebuilt the altar and they set it upon his bases. In other words, they built the altar that had been destroyed through the invasion of the enemy. They came back to the same place and reestablished the altar and rebuilt it. Listen, prayer is about the altar. Now, prayers all, all, the altar is also about sacrifice, but, but you can't pray effectively if you're not willing to sacrifice fully. Let me say that again. If you're taking notes, that's noteworthy. You cannot pray effectively if you're not willing to sacrifice completely. All right? See, prayer... Prayer is a foundation stone in our lives as Christian. And, and I didn't start this out several weeks ago as a, a sermon series about foundations. I had no intention of that. But as it has developed, God has begun to deal with me about foundations and about the need to establish foundations. And every relationship... Every relationship is built and sustained by certain foundational principles. I'm going to come down here so I can get personal with you, and then I'll come back up here and, and everybody can take a deep breath. See, every marriage, every husband and wife, your marriage and your relationship is built upon certain foundational principles such as love, trust, uh, obedience. Maybe I should have came over here. Where's Brother Brian? Obedience and honor, things like that. 
But every marriage has those certain foundational principles that it's built on. And, and without those foundational principles being in operation, then the marital relationship will break down. You see, a young couple can go out and get married, and we've got some that are in the process of, of working in that direction. And, and, but they can go out, they can buy a marriage license, and they can sign on the dotted line, and, and they can get it uh, uh, said in the courthouse and all that. They can stand before a preacher, and they can go through the vows and, and, and marry. And in the eyes of man and in the eyes of God, they are married, they are joined together, and uh, until death they do part. But if even with that, if those, if those foundational principles are not in operation in that marriage, then that relationship will have a tendency to break down. Because when, when Bubba says, I, I know I'm married and I love this woman that I'm married to, but uh, he don't get this idea or this principle about marriage that the two shall become one. He don't want to follow that. He still wants to do his own thing. He still wants to go out with his buddies and, and party with his buddies. And, and when the party's over, he runs back to his wife. Now, uh, you young ladies and young men, you need to hear this. He don't want to, I want the marriage, I want the wife. I want the, the joy that all of that brings, but, but this two becoming one, I can't do that because I still got things that I want to do in my life. And because of that neglect or that foundational principle in that relationship, there will be a day that his wife gets tired of sitting at home waiting on her husband to get back from a fishing trip or a golfing trip or a party or something with his buddies. And she says, you know what? I lived by myself before I married you and I'm going to go back and live by myself again because that's what I've been doing even though I've been married. You see, uh, what, what our culture has done is we've neglected foundational principles in our lives and we wonder why our lives are falling apart. Now I want to bring this down to where me and you are today. There are foundational principles in your relationship with God. There are things that, that about your relationship. Oh yeah, I know you knelt at an altar somewhere. You gave your life to Jesus. He came into your life. He redeemed and restored you and you had a relationship with God. You know that you were born again. But in that, God has established certain foundational principles in our lives and our relationship with Him that must be followed. And if they're not followed, then our relationship with God will begin to crumble and we will begin to lose that, that joy and that love and that expectancy that we have in that relationship. Come, Brother Robert, come here. Now, I want to just kind of quickly illustrate this. This guy looks sharp, don't he? He's... he's dapper and sharp brother Robert I want you to you're standing in the place of God today All right. you, are, you are the Lord 
right? Miss Eunice said, hey, I already know that. She said, I already knew that. But, but, but Brother Robert is, is God. And me and Brother Robert, I, I've come and I, I gave the Lord my life. He, we, we close. We tie. We got a good relationship. And, and so everything is good, and I'm thankful for what the Lord has done for me. And I'm excited about that. And, and, but one of the foundational principles about God and about relationship with God is this thing called prayer. You see, you might try to be effective as a Christian and not pray, but you're not going to get very far. That the foundation of prayer is, is vital to my relationship with him. Because you see, when I pray, it draws me close to him. It connects us. But when I get the idea that I want to neglect this two shall become one thing, and I quit praying, then the more that I don't pray, the more I drift away from him. Because you see, when I neglect the foundation of prayer, then what I, I'm not verbalizing it, but what I'm saying spiritually is I'm saying, God, thank you that you saved me. Thank you that you redeemed me. But I got a hot mama over here that, that is pulling for my attention. And so I'm going to follow her, and I'm going I'm to spend some time with her. And I, when, when the, the seas get rough and the turbulence gets rough, then I'll run back to you, and I'll pray. When, when my hot mama lets me down, I'll run back, and I'll pray. Lord, I, I've got, <laughs> I got money in the bank, Lord, you know, and thank you that you blessed me. Got some money in the back. I'm going to go buy me some new clothes and some new shoes, and, and I'm going to go out and live it up a little bit, Lord. I'll, I love you. And Lord, Lord says, son, you need to pray. Son, you need to pray. I know I, I, I need to, but, but I, I, got to go, I got to go over here. And you see, because I neglect the foundation of prayer and that gulf becomes, I don't care who you are and I don't care how religious you think you are, if you think that you're going to fight the devil without prayer, you got another thing coming. And listen, I'm not saying that mean or, or anything like that. And, and I don't want you to walk out and say, well, pastor hurt my feelings. He, he called me a hypocrite. And a, uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, guys, one of the reasons that we are in the condition that we're in in our culture today is because we have forsaken the altar. 
Why do you think that these people that had been in captivity for 70 years, the first thing they did when they came back into the land was not, uh, as I said last Sunday, build a Popeye's on the corner of 5th and Broad, but the first thing they did when they came back was they built an altar upon the original base of where the old one was. Because they understood that in order for me to deal with my enemies, I've got to have an altar. I've got to have closeness with God. Because he is the God that fights my battles. He is the God that delivers me from the hand of my enemy. And I trust in him. I rely upon him. But as long as I'm way over here, I don't have that connection with God. And my enemy can come between he and I. But I understand that when I establish that altar then it draws me close to him you see the thing about it is that in my relationship with God when I neglect the altar God never moves God's still where he always been but I'm off over here wandering around hallelujah we come in on Sunday morning Praise Jesus. I love the Lord. This section over here is nervous about right now because they're saying he's getting real close to me. I ain't never going to come back to this church. But I'm, praise the Lord. And all hell's breaking loose in my life. I got relationships that are breaking down. Things not going, I'm depressed. I'm struggling. Let me come over here. Leave y'all alone. Get over here, Brother Murphy. Everything's messed up. Praise Jesus. How you doing? How you doing, Brother Cornelius? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. Can't wait till they sing Amazing Grace because on that second verse, I'm going to raise my hand. Can't wait for Pastor to get up and ask me to raise my hand because when he does, I'm going to be the first one because I'm spiritual. But I hadn't prayed in two or three months. God's, God's up here. But I still love him. I hadn't prayed. You understand what I'm saying? Is that enough of this illustration that you get what I'm saying? Listen, we need to establish an altar in our lives. And I want to tell you this morning, and I'm jumping ahead of myself, when you establish an altar in your life, God will be right there with you. You won't have to ask him to come in your situation. You won't have to beg him to move in your life because when you establish an altar, God will be there where that altar is. You say, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. I guarantee you, friend, that the best way to learn how to pray is just begin to pray. You just begin to talk to God. You see, that's one of the things that's moving in this place now is people are catching a hold of this thing called the altar and they're understanding that God is where the altar is. Thank you, Brother Robert. Give Brother Robert a hand. See, to to give you a biblical example of that, in Judges uh, chapter 16 uh, and verse 20 is the story of Samson. 
Everybody knows the story of Samson, and that's the reason I use it a lot, because most people are familiar with the story of Samson. And, and you know how God prophesied, uh, the angel of the Lord prophesied to Samson's parents, Manoah, and his mother, and said, you're going to have a son. He's going to be a Nazarite from his mother's womb. He's going to be set apart for God. He's going to be used greatly by God, and, and, but he's not to touch... Uh, uh, He's not to cut his hair. He's not to drink strong drink or anything like that. And, and he's to be set apart. Well, Samson comes on the scene, and immediately he goes against everything God said don't do. It's kind of like when we don't pray. And, and, uh, but Samson just kept, kept drifting farther and farther away. Until uh, chapter 16 and verse 20, he had laid his head in the lap of Delilah one too many times. You see, that's what happens when we disconnect by not praying and we disconnect from God. We lose the power of God's anointing that's moving in our lives. Listen, prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes you. I mean, y'all better be glad I prayed this morning because if I had not prayed this morning, I might come in here and tell all of you, we all just going to go to hell. But see, because I prayed, the mercy of God came over me and said, son, son, you got to love people. Samson kept drifting and drifting and drifting and that's that's a lie that hell has brought into the church in many cases you don't have to pray that's the reason we we pray these car wreck prayers so many times we're about to wreck we're about to crash and so we begin to cry out to God but listen if you will establish an altar, I, I, I got to get. Samson, the Bible says, had laid in the lap of Delilah. And, and this is the way, boy, this is just so much like the devil. There he is. Samson's got his head laid over in Delilah's lap, and she's stroking his pretty hair and all that. And all of a sudden, she reaches behind her and, and comes out with those scissors. And she begins to snip, snip, snip. And this is, this is so much like the devil. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And, and to paraphrase, Samson wakes up and he says, don't worry about it, baby. I'll go out and do them just like I've been doing them. But the Bible says, the Bible says that Samson Wist not. The, new, the King James Version says, wist not. And I don't know what wist means, but he said, the Bible says, he wist not. In other words, he didn't realize that God had departed from him. You see it? See it up here? He shook himself, but he did not realize that the Lord was departed from him. Why? Because Samson had drifted away from foundational principles that God had established in his life. And when he needed the anointing, he, 
listen to this, he was the last one to know that the anointing had left. So the devil knows an anointed man or woman of God. Me and Judy were in the grocery store one time several months ago, and and we walked. We were walking down the aisle, and all of a sudden, I heard something behind me, and I looked back, and and a box of a uh, uh, macaroni had just flew off the shelf and fell in the floor. Judy looked at me. She said, "That was weird." I said, "Yeah, the devil must have been there because we scared him when we came by." You see, the devil knows more about your anointing many times than you know. He knows when he needs to tuck tail and run. All right? All right, and I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to go. Listen, the enemy takes these failures in our lives, and, and he begins to work on us because we don't want anybody to know of our failures. We don't want anybody to know, I, I messed up. And so it becomes a secret. And the enemy begins to, to uh, work in the secret places of our lives. If, if they really knew what I had done, they wouldn't like me. If they really knew who I was, they wouldn't speak to me. If you really knew where I had been, you wouldn't want to be around me. And so the enemy begins to work in the secret of our lives. That's the reason, guys, that the enemy works in darkness because he wants his work to get in us to the place that he can use it against us. And there's so many people today, uh, just this past week, we've seen on, on uh, the news where uh, 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 people that have been abused are rising up because they were abused by somebody that was in charge of their lives, and they, they abused that, that care and, and, and sexually abused them, and they're coming out now, and it's been a secret in their lives for decades. One testimony of one lady said, for years I have kept this in, and it has, it has caused me uh, to become cold and numb to everything around me because it was a secret that hell wanted to continue to be secret. Listen, a secret is an act or a deed that is done or conduct, conducted without the knowledge of others. It's a hidden or it's something that's hidden or concealed from the eyes and knowledge of those around us. How many of us in here today you've got secrets that nobody knows? You've got things in your life that nobody knows. You've got things about relationships in your life that nobody knows. You've got things that's going on in relationships in your life that nobody knows, and it scares you to think that people would find out about it. And the enemy works on you that, with that. He prods you and pushes you with that. And you, you think if people really knew, they would, not, they would not give me the time of day. But listen, makeup will cover it up on the outside. A new hairdo will fix it on the outside. New clothes will make you look good on the outside. But I want to tell you something 
friend, uh, that, that those things won't do anything on the inside. And it's on the inside where the enemy is robbing you of your joy. It's on the inside where the enemy is robbing you of your peace. And greater than that, it's on the inside where the enemy is robbing you of your anointing and power with God. And because he's got you so beat down that you don't see yourself as being anything in the eyes of God. Let me, let me give you this. The woman at the well in John chapter 4, one of the statements that she made when Jesus had so empowerfully touched her life, she went running away, and she, she, was, she was screaming it to the top of her voice. She said, come see this man that told me all that I had ever done. Come see this man that told me all that I ever did. In other words, Jesus exposed the darkness in her life. Jesus exposed the concealed darkness in her life. And that that is what set her free. Everybody around her knew that she had been married four or five times. Everybody around her knew possibly what kind of woman she was. But there was some darkness in her life that, that nobody knew about. And Jesus came in and he said, woman, if you knew who I was that was talking to you, you would have asked me to give you that water that you would never thirst again. And so she must have asked because Jesus gave it to her and she went running through the streets of the city and said, come see this man. He exposed all of my darkness. He, he exposed all the things that I had concealed everything that I've ever done. And Matthew, and, and I'm getting close, Matthew 6 and verse 5, Jesus said this, When you pray, don't be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. He said, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But listen to this, verse 6. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father, which is in secret. And your Father, which sees in secret, shall reward thee openly. That's a power. Listen, this is, this is about things that are done in secret. The true character of a man cannot be found when he's standing in front of a TV camera. The true character of a man is found when he's alone in his living room at home. The true character of a man is revealed when he's driving down the road and nobody's with him. Jesus said, when you enter into your closet and pray in secret, he said, I will reward you openly. It would be like today if I were here, which I am here, and I said, the first one that touches this Bible will be rewarded. The first one that touches this Bible will be rewarded. 
You enter into your closet and pray in secret. The Father that sees in secret will reward you openly. The first one that touches this Bible will be rewarded. First one that touches this Bible will be rewarded. Up, 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 up. Come here, come here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Come here, come here. Brother Anthony, Brother Anthony tried to hold you back, didn't he, Miss Sterling? He said, don't do that. I borrowed that $20 from Judy. All right, so. She didn't know it, okay? So she was fine with it. <laughs> the first one that touches this Bible will be rewarded. The first one that touches this Bible. I don't have any. I don't have any more money. Okay. <laughs> Listen, that's that's what I'm trying to get you to see. Is all you got to do is try it one time. Get in your closet when nobody's around and nobody's listening and nobody's watching, and pour yourself out to God, and see if He won't reward you when you come out of your closet. He said, I, I, listen, I'm not going to just reward you in the closet, but because you have done it secretly, I'm going to do something publicly in your life. Can I tell you this? If you get in your closet and pray secretly, you won't have to worry about the skeletons in your closet anymore. Because secret prayer will deliver you from public skeletons. You see, when I understand the power of what Jesus said, when you pray secretly, I'll reward you openly. Here's the thing, guys, and I'm trying to close. Here's the thing. We want to stand before our enemies and talk to our enemies before we've talked to God. But God is saying that in 2017 that you need to stand before me. I listen, I listen. I want to talk to God before I ever even see my enemy. A good example of that is David in the book of 1 Samuel. David uh, stood before Samson, this huge Goliath and all of that. And, and, and listen, everybody else, everybody, every, everybody was scared to death. Everybody. I said, everybody. Even the well-trained soldiers, even the leader was scared to death. They couldn't imagine 
standing before this Goliath. But here is this little old ruddy man named David. But what they didn't realize is that David had already had the oil poured over his life. David had already been greased down by heaven. And so the giant didn't make any difference to David. Listen, when I have spent time in the presence of God and I stand before my enemy, I've stood before God secretly. God said, I will bring your enemies down publicly because you have spent time with me in prayer. Understand this, guys. And, I, and I'm giving you some things this morning. And I know I'm running a little bit late. But the buffet line will not close, I promise you. Understand this. I'm giving you some principles today that will radically change your life. I grew up around praying people. I, and I'm so thankful. I grew up with a mom and a dad that prayed for me. Very few Nights that I came home that I did not hear my mother praying. It changed my life. But we, we, this generation, God is bringing them back. But listen, he wants to remind us of the power of prayer and the power of secret time with God. Everybody wants public we want, to, we want to shine, but it's what you do when nobody's watching you that will determine how bright you shine when everybody's watching you. Psalm 91, 91 says this, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Come here, Brother Robert. Come up here real fast. I'm sorry. I know, you, I know you're doing things. Come on up here, Brother. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. What was the verse that, that Pastor Don quoted this morning? Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I desire to take you under yes. my wings? Mm-hmm. Yes. Listen, Psalm 91 and 1 did not say, he that bumps into me every so often. He didn't say, a little dab will do you. He said, he that does what? Dwells. He that dwells. He that dwells. Jesus said, if you keep my words, I will come and make my abode with you. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Turn around, brother. You see, you might not be able to see it, but there's a shadow being cast this way. Amen. Now, if, if I'm over here, I'm not under that shadow. But when I get over here, 
I'm under that shadow. That's good. That's good. And, and see, if I want the blessing of God, I'm not talking about if you're satisfied with your religion. I'm not, I'm not talking about if you're satisfied with the name of the church over the door. I'm talking about if you want something from God, if you need something from God, if you've got a problem that only God can deal with, then, friend, I'm telling you how to see victory happen in your life. When you get under the shadow of the Almighty and you say, Lord, I'm not just dropping by today, but, God, I've come and i brought all my clothes and I'm going to dwell here in the secret place of the Most High. Now, listen, this is what God said uh, when, when the psalmist said, when I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, he said this. He said, I will say of the Lord. See, when I'm over here, I'm talking about God. I, I'm, I'm talking about God. I'm struggling, and, then I, and I'm struggling. But when I get over here in the shadow of the Almighty, I am talking to God. I will say of the Lord. He, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. In him will I trust. Because everything about my life is overshadowed by God. Everything about who I am is under the covering and under the wings of heaven. It's almost like having an umbrella over my life that when God is, is covering my life, everything about, listen, I might not feel like it, but I know everything's going to work out because I'm under the shadow of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he goes on down and he says this in verse 3. He said, surely he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Give me a high five, Jesus. Thank you. Thank the Lord. Amen. See, that's the power of being in the secret place of the Most High. Still didn't get through. Now listen. I want, you, I want to make sure that you understand what I'm talking about. Don't, don't ever think that I'm talking against or down of, of praying when you're driving down the road. I think we need to pray all the time. I think a prayer can be in your heart all the time, and I think that's great. I think you can sit at your desk at work and pray. That is awesome. I think that's, that's powerful. And that's great. So, so don't be discouraged in that. But I'm talking about something that will, will radically alter your life and your walk with God. Because, you see, I can pray driving down the road because it doesn't interfere with the busyness of my day. I can pray at my desk at work, and, and I, can, I can be doing my work some of y'all can. When I pray, I have to stop because I'm 
I'm a one-man thing, you know. I'm either praying or I'm not, you know. But, you know, those things are good. And, and, and I think that's, that's a, a, a good practice to have. I'm talking about a time in your day that you shove everything aside. A time for me is in the morning that you shove everything aside. I'm not talking about hours and hours, guys. I'm talking about start out small, start out 10 minutes, 5 minutes, whatever. But it's just that time slot. It's just that slot of time that you say, God, I've got kids to get ready for school. I've got dogs to feed. I've got a husband to fix his lunch. I've got a wife that wants me to take the garbage out, whatever y'all are doing and all that. And I'm so busy and all that. But, God, I am going to put this time slot, and it's going to belong to nobody but you. And I'm going to get away from everybody and everything. And I'm going to get on my knees. And I'm going to have conversation with you. Oh, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish that you can get what I'm saying. Some of you just want to go to sleep. And I know you're tired. But listen, I want you to understand what I'm saying. There's this, this public praying, this public worship that we've done today is awesome. And it is, it is powerful and it is great. But friend, what you do publicly is only as good as what you have done privately. Coming in here, dancing around, shouting, running the aisles, and swinging off of these little cords that hang from the ceiling, and all that is only as good as if you have done it in your private time. I like to pray in the Spirit. I like to pray in that unknown language. But, friend, if I stand in front of everybody here and just pray it and speak it out loud and, and do it and all of that, and I don't do it in my private time, all I'm doing is building myself up. But listen, when it is, it is of utmost importance that no matter who you are, no matter what you do, on a daily basis, you need to stand before God at some point in that day. One of the things that, that changed my life was by A.W. Tozer, and I've probably told you this many times. A.W. Tozer said this of preachers. He said it is of utmost importance that the man of God stand before God as much as he stands before people. Because if I don't stand before God as much as I stand before you, I will bore you to death. I will bore you more than you're bored now. I will bore you so much that your bore will run out. Because 
I will have nothing to give. But if I will spend time at the well, Sister Katie, if I'll spend time at the well, I'll never run out of water to give to a thirsty people. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys, that's fine. You don't have to come. Y'all come up here, it'll be another 15 minutes. And now listen. There are those of you that are here this morning, and the enemy is using secrets in your life to rob you of your future and rob you of your joy and your peace. But I want to tell you today, God said, if you'll spend some time with me secretly, I'm going to change that. So God is saying this morning, this this morning or this afternoon, God, God is saying, I miss you, and I want to spend some time with you. So I want to ask you today, if you've heard this word, I want to ask you five minutes. Now with me, five minutes is not even enough to get on my knees. It takes me five minutes to get down on my knees. All right. For you, that might be an eternity. But I'm going to ask you to start with five minutes a day. Just dedicate that time. Set it apart and say, God, I'm giving you these five minutes today. I'm dedicating this time to you. Don't get caught up in such a, uh, a rigid routine. Just find five minutes. Get away from everybody. Shut everything down. Shut everybody out and say, I'm, don't bother me. This is me and God's time. And begin to do that. And I want, I want, I'm going to ask you if you'll start doing that. Because here, here's something, guys. I believe today that there, there, there are men and women in this room today that God is saying there's something that nobody knows about that's going on in your life. The enemy's been working there. But I am about to change that. I'm about to reveal the works of the kingdom in your life. Oh, I wish I had another five minutes, but I don't. Father, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. In Him will I trust. Surely, O God, you will deliver me from the pestilence. You will deliver me from my enemy. Father, I pray over this congregation this morning. Let us be secret prayers. Let us have that secret place with you. God, let us dwell in the secret place with you. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you're going to do that. 
I thank you, Father, that this message has resounded in the hearts and minds of people. And, God, they're hungry. God, I thank you that you produced a hunger. And, God, that we're going to go back to the foundation of prayer. And we're going to see your power move in our lives. I thank you for it this morning. In the name that is above all other names, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah.